Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It is so great to see you guys, and I just want to welcome everybody who's in person here and those who are joining us online. We are so pumped, so excited that you are part of this this morning. And I just want to real quick say, before I dive into the message today, we have had so many faithful partners that have joined with us over the last, I mean, not just 6 to 12 months, but during this whole pandemic, all the way up to now, that have been faithfully giving I mean, sacrificially giving to, to keep our doors open. I, I mean, it breaks my heart how many uh, brothers and sisters in Christ across our country that have had to close doors or have had to have very, very limited amount of ministry just because they just don't have the resources. But I just want to thank God for just a moment for those of you who have been giving and been a part of that. Thank you. Could we just give God a hand for using the people to make a difference? God bless you. And I just want to tell you, please don't stop now. We are in the middle of, I know it's slow, but we're going to be trying to open more and more in the upcoming months. Um, we want to be able to offer more. We'd like to add back our 1130 service. We'd like to be able, in, as we move towards Easter, we want to be able to provide more. In June, we want to do camp in the city. In July, we want to do the big camp for all our kids. God moves so much through our kids, we can't stop doing these things. And in July, also, we want to do at the movies. We see thousands of people get reached with the message of Jesus Christ in July through that. And then, of course, all of our just regular weekly weekend services and all of our ministries that happen, it requires a lot of sacrificial giving. It's something as we step forward, we got to all step forward together, right? We got to all push together. It's amazing how much more momentum we get out of that. So if you're considering giving, like this is something like I've been considering it, I've been thinking about it. I've been praying about it. I want to tell you this is a great time to go ahead and do it. Go ahead and jump in with us, um, with me and Leslie and the rest of our staff and those who are bought in and a part, our leaders and our volunteers and our, our attenders that, that are a part of this. This is a great time to jump on and let's get wind in our sails and let's make 2021 an amazing year, but it's only going to happen if we all do it together. So I just really want to challenge you to pray about that to take that step together and do whatever, you know, God puts on your heart. It doesn't have to be some astronomical amount. It could just be start somewhere and, and just see as God grows you in that. So just wanted to challenge you with that this morning. We're going to dive back into a series that we've been in now for a while um, called The Most Important Thing About You. And we have started this series with this great quote from A.W. Tozer, this brilliant theologian who wrote this book, The Knowledge of the Holy, um, and in this, he talks about the fact that what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That our concept, our perception of God, it shapes more than we realize. It shapes more about how we value other people, ourselves, how we relate to God, how we treat and how we interact, the, how much hope we have or how little hope, how much faith or trust we ever have in God. All those things relate back to 
If we adopt bad theology or poor um, understandings of God that wind up hurting us and hurting other people, which commonly happens for people, that all that can be traced back to a faulty misunderstanding about who God is as he has revealed himself. And so that's what this series is all about. Like, let's clarify that. Because our perceptions will shape our reality. Our perceptions always do. As a matter of fact, every decision that you and I make about our reality is based on a perception that we believe to be true. Every purchase that you make, you make it based on what you believe, you've done your research, that this is true, this is accurate, this is information I can trust before I put my hard-earned dollars into something. And in this country, we not only think that you should be able to have truth to be able to make decisions like that, we have made it your right, that it is a right. The FTC, or the Federal Trade Commission of our country, has mandated a law that says that no company can do false advertising. In other words, cannot produce false information to get you to buy their good or service. We said, that's illegal. We're not doing that in this country. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen sometimes, but it's, it's a law that should not happen. And why do we do that? Why do we make such a big deal out of that? Because we think it is wrong for people to pay their hard-earned money for something, a good or service, based on a lie, false information. Now, if we have put safeguards in place like that to protect our money, how much more should we be trying to protect our own soul, right? That's what this series is about. Shouldn't we have some safeguards in place to help us? That's why I've continually tried to come back and say, let's ask God, even right now, quietly, silently, right where you are, you don't have to say it out loud, you don't have to embarrass yourself or whatever you feel like that's gonna do, but just ask God, God, help me to correct, to correct my misperceptions of you. Wherever my, my perceptions are off, God, correct my misperceptions of you. Please show me where I have been adopting, believing, trusting in a foundation that's going to fall apart on me. It's not going to last. It's not true. It's inaccurate information. Even if the person who gave you the information was so sincere, it was your mama, it was your grandma, it was your dad, or who, it could have been somebody you really love and trust, but they got bad information. We have to go back to the source. How has God actually revealed himself to us? It's so important for us to be able to do that. And the beautiful thing is that in this process of seeking God to know him for who he really is, God tells us all throughout the Bible that he wants us to do this. And if he, if he sees you doing this, you have just recruited his help. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, Jeremiah says, If you will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's saying, I'm going to let myself be found. I'm going to reveal myself to you. But you see, Jesus said, Matthew 6, those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door will be open. Those who ask, they shall receive. He's saying, but the verbs that he gave there, the Greek verbs, are to keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Like, don't just do it once. Like, keep doing it. Persist day after day. God, I want to know you again today. Show me your power today. Come on. God, I need you to join in. He will. He wants that. He desires that. It recruits his help. 
in that process. Now, when we started this whole series, we started by saying before anything else, God is a loving Father. He is a Father, and through the filter of Father, we should look at every other attribute of God. He is a Father, but not just any Father. He's a good Father. Now, that may be a challenge to some of us because we didn't always grow up with good fathers, but you need to understand God as totally separate from your earthly father, your heavenly father, is a very different being. That He is perfect in all of his ways. He's loving in all of his ways. And he's good, but he's also wise, and he wants to share that wisdom with you. We spent a whole week talking about the wisdom of God and how we can attain it, how we can make it a part of our life. And then last week, we talked about the fact that God also is a God of wrath. And that means that he is going to judge evil and sin in this world. He absolutely will. And we talked about, well, what, then what do we do with God being God of mercy and love? It seems to be at odds with, in conflict with, a God of, of wrath and retribution. And, and how do we bring those together? And last week we talked about how do those fit together? And how does this idea of God being a God of wrath follow through old covenant to new covenant, Old Testament to New Testament under Jesus? How does that flow together? We talked about that last week. And now this week, um, I, want us to, um, I want us to take a look together at a, a whole new attribute, and I want to set it up this way, the same way we did last week, and I want to look at the prophet Jeremiah. And the prophet Jeremiah did something really brilliant. He wrote this book, or we believe to be, it be, to be Jeremiah, the book of Lamentations of the Old Testament, and it was five heavy emotional poems that he wrote about the destruction of Judah, and more specifically the city of Jerusalem, as the Babylonians came in in 587 B.C., historical fact, when they came in and conquered the city, took it over, and then exiled all the people back to Babylon. And he's, he's writing about how horrible, how difficult, and that this was God's wrath on our sin, and we needed to repent. We should have, and we didn't. And he's writing about all the, but right in the middle, in chapter three, there's five chapters, chapter three, that he pauses for a moment, and he says, but in the middle of all of this, God is still merciful, he's still faithful, he's still loving, and anyone who will turn from their sin and turn back to God, he will receive. And in Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23, I want us to look at this together. He says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, every day. Great, is, let's read this last highlighted word together, can we? Re, great is your faithfulness. This is what we're gonna talk about today, God's faithfulness. So he is the God of faithfulness, meaning that he is trustworthy, he is steadfast he will not move on you now isn't it interesting that when someone or something an object or a person is trustworthy is faithful it is something that we can place our trust in as a matter of fact as i look around this room there's something in this room just an object that you have all placed your trust in because you believed it to be faithful chairs right <laughs> You have all come in, you assess these chairs, and you go, I think I can probably, this will hold me up, all right? Yeah, I think I can. And then you went and 
you literally put the weight of your trust and the weight of your body, right, the weight of your trust on that chair. And thankfully, it worked, right? And so you, you kind of thought, well, there's hundreds of other people sat in this chair and it seemed to work, so it probably hold me up. So you come in and you put the weight of your trust, the weight of your hope on the chair, and it held you up. And that's what it does. And what's interesting is that that when something's faithful, we place our trust in it, and out of that trust, that's where we find hope. And isn't this a day in our world and in history where people need hope? They're looking for hope. I'm telling you, the source of hope comes from faithfulness. As a matter of fact, faithfulness gives hope to our hearts that's what it does because when you place the weight of your trust on something and you find it to be faithful you can derive hope from that now what's interesting is the opposite is also true unfaithfulness makes us feel hopeless unfaithfulness makes us feel hopeless and if you doubt that talk to somebody who's just gone through a divorce because of an unfaithful spouse and ask that individual, how much hope do you have in marriage right now? They would say very little to none, right? Why? Why is that? Because they saw someone that they thought was faithful, and they put the weight of their trust upon that individual, and they did not come through for them, and it caused them to fall, and it hurt. And that pain of hopelessness causes us to lose our peace, our joy, our, our hope in this life. And it, you know what it gets replaced with? It gets replaced with stress and anxiety and despair and fear starts driving our life. We would never say that because who wants to say, fear's driving my life right now. But when you're hopeless, you have no option but that. That's your only, that's the way human beings were wired. That's the way we were. I don't care how intellectual, how smart, how, how successful, how much money you have. If you lose hope, then you are left with stress and anxiety, despair and fear to drive your life. That's how it works. And I want to ask you right now, are you feeling anxious right now? Do you feel anxious today? If you do, you struggle with anxiety on a regular basis. Now, I'm not going to try to read your mail or read your mind, but I bet if you will think about it, that came from somebody, something, somewhere that you put your faith in. You thought it was faithful. You put your trust, the weight of your trust on it, and it moved on you, and it broke your heart, and it hurt. And it made you say, never again, I'm not going to trust. And when we decide to do that, we also disintegrate hope. So I want to just share with you a secret today, it's before we dive into the meat of what we're going to talk about. The secret of a life of peace, joy, and hope is found in someone who will come through for you 100% of the time. And some of you may be going, well, duh, Will, but that person does not exist. Okay, well, let me show you where you find the person. The answer is God's faithfulness, right? It is God and God alone who can have that kind of faithfulness that can come through for us, God's faithfulness, um, be able to help us to be able to trust 
So I want to talk to you about over the next couple of minutes, how does God come through for us? How does he be there for us? How does he meet us in the middle of our insufficiencies in this life and can show us how to trust in his faithfulness? Well, here's the first one. God, first and foremost, God is faithful when we are unfaithful. God is faithful when we are unfaithful. And the Apostle Paul, writing to his protege Timothy, wrote these beautiful words, and many believe that he was quoting from an early hymn or worship song that they sang in the early church, and this was like the last verse of that song. He says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Isn't that a beautiful way to turn that phrase around to say, he's not just arbitrarily choosing to be faithful, it's who he is. He cannot be anything other than who he is. He cannot go against his word. He cannot go against his nature, his character. This is who God is to be faithful. As a matter of fact, when you look towards the end of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, I believe it's chapter 19, where it talks about the return of Jesus when he comes to bring judgment upon all one of the names he's given is faithful and true faithful and true this phrase kind of reminds me of one of my favorite old movies that I, i've watched many times it was a mini series many years ago lonesome dove maybe you guys have seen that movie before and there's a great line in that movie it kind of follows these two old texas rangers captain uh, woodrow mccall and Captain Augustus McRae, and these guys are amazing characters, but uh, it's really funny how all the things that happen in their life, and one of the, the men that they reconnect with, an old Texas Ranger buddy of theirs that has kind of gone on to do other things, but his name is Jake Spoons, and Jake had made a series of really bad choices with his life, and he fell in with a bad crowd, and one decision led to another, another in the wrong direction. And ultimately, it wound up costing him everything. And then later, in hindsight, Augustus, or Gus, said this about Jake. He says, Jake has always been too leaky a vessel for anyone to put much hope in. He's always been too leaky a vessel for anyone to put too much hope in. Do you know somebody like that? Too leaky a vessel to put much hope in. We all do. We all know somebody like that. We're related to somebody like that. We were friends or still are with somebody like that. Man, they've always got a, a great idea. They need, always need some money, right? But they never pay it back. They're always up to something, but they never follow through. You know somebody like that? The truth is, we have all been somebody like that. We've all been the leaky vessel at some point. We have all tried to be faithful, but we were unfaithful to something. We lacked integrity. We gave a promise, and we didn't come through for somebody, didn't we? We blew it. We failed. We sinned. We messed up. We chose what was evil over what was good. We chose it. We can't blame it on anybody else. We can't say, oh, it was a mistake. We chose it. All of us have done that. 
But here's the irony. Here's the amazing thing when we begin to juxtapose or compare that with who God is. God has never done that. He has always been faithful. He's always been faithful. When, if we are unfaithful, the verse says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot, for he cannot deny who he is. This is who he is. God is showing us this is who he is. And because of that, you can place your trust in him and you can find hope in him because he won't move on you. He will not move on you. He will be one that will be there day after day. His mercies are new every morning. Every day he's there. When we are faithless, he is faithful, and we can trust him and his mercies to forgive us, give us a, a fresh start. Are there every day. It's beautiful. Love it. Not only is he faithful when we're faithless, but number two, God is faithful when we are weak, and we all have times when we are weak. I want to point your attention to a beautiful moment where the Apostle Paul unveils a big weakness that he struggled with in his own life. Now, you wouldn't think that, you know, somebody who's like one of the Captain Americas of the New Testament would be so vulnerable as to say, yeah, I also have weakness. I also have struggled before God with some stuff. And he does that right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Let's read it together. <clears throat> The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. Now, this is a really interesting. Again, he's being really honest. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, he's saying, without this, I'm almost sure that I would have become prideful and arrogant. I would have become obnoxious. You would not want me in your church, right? You would not want me being the pastor of your church. I would be the biggest egotistical, you know, leader that you have ever seen. You would not want to follow me, right? But something about how God worked through this thorn, which is a metaphor for weakness, there was something that was in his life that made it hard on him to do what he was supposed to do. And what he was supposed to do was a calling from God. It wasn't like he was doing something evil. He was doing something good for God. But there was a hindrance. There was a weakness there. And he's being honest about it. He's saying, and it's really a messenger from Satan, but God used it anyway. Like, it didn't come from God. It came from Satan, but God used it. To, it tormented me. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Now, he's given us a peek into his prayer life. He's like, it didn't just struggle. I didn't just struggle with it. Like, I pleaded. There were probably tears running down his face. He was crying out to God, God. And these three times, there might have been three, like, long sessions of prayer. <laughs> I, pr I pleaded with God over and over. Please take it away. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He says, but he said to me, and here's what God revealed to him about the thorn. Please hear this because my guess is you've got a thorn too, a weakness, a place where you're struggling right now. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My unmerited blessing and favor in your life. That's what grace is. Unmerited blessing and favor. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you're insufficient, I am sufficient. You're unfaithful, I am faithful. For my power is made perfect in, let's say together, in weakness. That's what that thorn was. Therefore, I will boast, like if I'm going to brag about anything, this is what I'm going to brag about. I will boast all the more gladly about my, let's say together, about my 
weakness. Why? Paul, that seems so silly. Why would you boast about that? So that Christ's power may rest on me. This is what happens when we trust the faithfulness of God. Not only does he give us hope, but a part of that process of us holding on to and getting the hope of God is that he does a switch on us. He takes our weakness and gives us his power in the place of it. And it was as if he's saying, God showed me this amazing revelation that only a very few people ever spiritual in terms of spiritual wisdom ever get wise enough to understand and let me let you in on a little secret god was saying listen i want you to rethink this thorn this weakness because i'm going to use it to show off my faithfulness in your life in other words i'm not going to deliver you from this thorn i'm going to deliver you through the thorn whoa god that's a revolutionary idea so you You want me to stop praying, God, make my life easier. God, take away all the struggles. God, take away, you know, all the difficulties and challenges and hard times and financial struggles and, 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 you know, conflict and friction I feel in my marriage and I can't seem to get my kids to obey me all the time and I'm having trouble at work and I, you know, like, God's saying, you know what, I'm going to use those things in your life. I'm going to work in and through them. And the question I want to ask you right now is where is your thorn, your weakness right now? Where is it in your life? What's the thing that's producing stress, anxiety, despair, fear? Where is that happening right now in your life? We all have them. Just we're going to get honest enough to say, here it is, God. Yeah, I'm struggling with it. And God's saying, would you come and surrender that with, to me because I want to deliver you through this. It may very well be that God's telling you the same thing he told Paul. I want to deliver you through this if you will trust my faithfulness through the middle of it. And here's the beautiful thing, that if you will trust me, people, people that are not even Christian, people that have no faith in God, they will see you and they'll say, how did you get this faith? How did you get this hope in a hopeless situation? How? And God will, he's showing us that they will see that it is because of my faithfulness that you were able to have that. You will show off me by going through it instead of running from it. I will show off my power in your life. That your weakness will be a a place where I will bring my power and it will rest upon you. And I will see you through things that people say, I know you, you can't make it through that. I know you, girl. You couldn't have done that on your own. God had to have helped you. I know you, brother. You couldn't have done that without God's help. God's going, that's why I did it. I want them to see my faithfulness through you. Will you trust me? Will you believe in my faithfulness? And trusting in God's faithfulness and knowing that he's gonna come through for you does not mean that it's always gonna work out the way you want You see, if God bent his will to our will, then that means you're God and not him, and that's not true. That's a false way to live, and a lot of people choose that. Well, God, I'm angry at God because God didn't make it work out like I wanted. Well, is he God or you? I mean, is he the one running the universe and has first claim on your life, or do you get to call all the shots? Because that's not what I see in Scripture. 
God makes it clear that once you accept the reality of the real world that he actually put you in and how he intended for you and him to interact, there is great peace that comes to your heart because you stop feeling so anxious about trying to make it into something that it never will be and it was never meant to be. The anxiousness and the stress and the despair and the fear begins to melt away and it's replaced with hope and peace and joy, like deep joy that can't be taken away. Jesus is saying, that's what I came to bring you, but you're not gonna get it from trying to be enough for everybody else and everything else in this world. It comes from trusting me and giving your best to me and leaving the outcome with God. Here's the third one. God's faithfulness, God's faithful even when we sin. I would say God's faithfulness is most evident in the moments leading up to the cross and the resurrection. Maybe most evident on the cross itself. The disciple John, he tells us the last thing Jesus says on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, here's what he says. Jesus said, and I'd like you to read this phrase with me. Jesus said, it is finished. Let's say it one more time. Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now this little phrase, it is finished, is actually a single Greek word that's pronounced tetelestai. It means a debt paid in full. And what's interesting, I actually learned this from one of my, professor, my New Testament professors in seminary. He said they are actually found banknotes and um, bill of sales that were ancient in the Roman culture that had been written to Telestai across the banknote and the bill of sale, paid in full. You owe no more. It's satisfied. It's complete, fulfilled, done. You can walk away a free man, a free woman. You're done. You don't owe another dime. Nothing. And Jesus is saying, to Telestai on your soul. When you receive him as forgiver and leader of your life, paid in full. You owe nothing more. I've done it all for you. You're free. You're free. That's what happens when we come and we receive Jesus Christ as the forgiver of our sin and the Lord of our life, become a child of God, to tell us die over all our sin. Are you kidding me? He says, yes, and you can trust that faithfulness. It can give you hope every single day. But what if I go out and blow it again? What if I go out and intentionally choose sin again? Well, the same disciple, John, later writes in his first of three little epistles right before Revelation, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, if we, if we confess our sins, he is, let's say it together, he is, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins, us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a deal. If you will humble yourself and you will ask, confess, it's a way of agreeing with God. God, this was sin. I turned away from you. I chose what was evil and wrong and unrighteous. I want to turn back to you. I want to be purified. I want, to, I want you to make me righteous once again. And Jesus absolutely can do that. It's a beautiful gift of his faithfulness. He is faithful. He is faithful to do that. Beautiful. This reminds me of an incredible story of a man by the name of 
Thomas Chisholm back in 1923. It was towards the end of his life. He had been a Methodist minister for a short period of time, but had serious illness in his body that made him quit his pastorate. And he bounced around from different jobs and never earned very much of an income because of his illness. But over his adult life, he had seen God's faithfulness take care of him and his family over and over and over and over. And he sat down one day, he, he was inspired by a verse from the Old Testament to, to pen the words in a poem of his life and God's faithfulness and he has gone on to become one of the most beloved hymns of all time. And what was that verse that inspired this hymn? Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23, the very verse that we started with today. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, Great is your, let's say it together, great is your faithfulness. And what was that old hymn? Great is thy faithfulness. Here's the lyrics I want to show you right now. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. What a beautiful promise. Right now, Drew Allman's going to come out and lead us in that beautiful old hymn. And afterwards, I'm going to come out and close us in a word of prayer. But I just want to invite you right now that as we sing this We're going to have the lyrics up on the screens. Please, I want to encourage you, even if you're not totally familiar with the the hymn, sing along. Let's proclaim the faithfulness of God today. And I really believe by doing that, God will begin to fill us with hope. He will give us hope that you didn't come in here with because it reminds you, that's where I put my faith. That's where I put my trust. That's where the weight of my trust is. Let's worship together right now.
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.